Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is Sophia Renee Morales, and today I am here with Kimberly Spencer, and we will be discussing Queen Energy, ruling your business with balance. But before we go into that, I'm going to invite you to discover some of your personal inherent talents, some of your queenly attributes that you probably have not yet acknowledged to yourself. If you get your pen and paper, and give you a little URL that will allow you to go out and discover what your number one spiritual giftedness is. So if you go to superpowerquiz, that's superpowerquiz.us, and take two minutes to answer the simple set of questions, it will give you insight to what your number one spiritual giftedness is. And uh, one, of the, one of the things you should be leaning into as a queen in your business. So, on that note, I am going to introduce our guest today. Kimberly Spencer is an award-winning, high-performance, trauma-informed coach and trainer. She's an Amazon best-selling author, a TEDx speaker, and the Crown Yourself founder of crownyourself.com and the CEO of Communication Queens, helping visionary leaders transform their self-limiting stories, build their empire, stand out fearlessly, and create a body, business, and life that rules. From her entrepreneurial beginnings at five, selling bags of glitter water to her neighbors, to becoming an award-winning screenwriter, certified Pilates instructor, Miss Congeniality, and six-time Wego Health Activist Award nominee, Kimberly is proof that it's better to make your own mold than to conform to somebody else's. She's also the former president of a national, national e-commerce startup and was the owner of a private Pilates studio fitness with Kim in Los Angeles, California. A warrior for hu- humans' infinite possibility and an unsinkable optimist, this boy mom of two is on a quest to revolutionize mindsets from fear to faith so that you can stand proudly in your sovereignty. Her work has been featured on Netflix, The CW, ESPN, Chicken Soup for the Soul, NPR, Thrive Global, CNBC, and Forbes. Wow, that is an impressive list, Kimberly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I love that with like standing in your power. Well, yeah, you know, and that's what we all aspire to do is to stand in our power to be who we are and to really confidently express our authenticity out into the world. And so many of us don't start anywhere close to that. (laughs) No, and I didn't. I mean, I didn't speak in kindergarten for six months. Like my teacher thought I was... um, Autistic. She thought she thought I was a special needs child because I would pee anytime that she would ask me a question. Oh no! I was so you were so stressed. I was so stressed. I was so shy. I stalked my best friend around the playground. She's still my best friend thirty years later. (laughs) But I that's like where you are now, wherever you are. Like it took a lot of work. And internally to be able to get to the place where I feel very confident and very secure and certain in who I am. 
I can so relate to that. I was this quiet, shy, retiring thing that wouldn't say boo to anyone. And I can remember my mom relating some story when I was in corporate. And I I really climbed the ranks fast when I was in corporate. And so I'm managing and I'm having these face-to-face confrontations with people and, you know, working things out in this really super assertive manner. And she was telling somebody about it and they're like, really? I, I don't, I can't even imagine her doing this (laughs) because it was so like night and day. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's possible to move out of the space where you're you're super shy and super retiring into a space where you can really stand in your own and and make a case for who you are, what you need, and where you're going. I love that. I mean, even even those of us who've had challenges in the past where perhaps there was some kind of abuse going on, this sort of thing, it's possible, completely possible to overcome all of that. So tell us about your journey, Kimberly. How did you go from not saying anything for six months? (laughs) Well, I think it's also really interesting, like the timing of like when I didn't say anything for six months, because I just recently found this, like we manifested our dream home last year. And we were clearing out. Thank you. Yay. We moved my mom with us and we were clearing out all the things from my childhood home because my father passed in 2021. And my father and I had a very complex relationship. We, um, I watched him and my mom build a successful multi-million dollar business over the course of 30 years while he was an addict. Mm. And, and that's kind of impressive in and of itself. Right? Yeah. Most so addicts I, are not high functioning enough. Functioning. Yeah. Yeah. So he he was really good with people and just brilliant at relationships and influence. The problem was with some of his demons mm. came out, especially when I was younger. Yeah. And I found this video clip of me when I was four. So like before five and being really shy and quiet, I was actually quite boisterous. I had this 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 inner child that was like I, like I'm a Leo rising, so like oh she was, god, yeah, she, she was, was out there in your face, and yes, <laughs> and my mom was like, she there's this video of, of me running through this forest, and she's like, oh, how are you gonna get through? And I was like, just run through it, and that obviously, was my, obviously, <laughs> I literally just got that tattooed on my arm because I was like, that's the inner child that I'm tapping into. But what happened was I was sexually abused by my father when I was five. And that, <gasps> that changed the changes everything. Yes. Yeah. And so that that whole experience and then the healing of that and what I did that modeled his addiction. So I didn't go into addiction. I went into bulimia. Um, and then healing myself with no psychological or medical recovery through the source of finding my own power, shifting my environment, doing the deep inner work, and actually being in a place of service, which yeah. was my first company, which is uh, Fitness with Kim, which was my Pilates business, being in a place where I found a process that I could serve with that made me feel good. And I said, I need to go out and teach this to other people. And so yeah. that was my first entrepreneurial endeavor that was actually not, I, I wasn't, I didn't set out to build a business around it because I was just trying to establish a career in show business. And I, and I did. Um, but I just ended up teaching it for 13 years 
because I loved being of service and helping people tap into that their body's inner knowing and inner strength. And yeah. so I never approached personal development necessarily initially from the from the mental realm. And I didn't or even that. the emotional realm, yeah, it sounds I, like necessarily. I, I, yeah, I started out with regulating my nervous system through Pilates. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I find interesting. You know, a lot of people look at it and go, well, healing, there's one path. There is not one path. And you can start wherever works the best for you. If the emotions are too much for you to turn around and confront, you can look at your mental programming, or you can work through your physiology to get there and to start to unravel things as well. Yeah. And the power of a regulated nervous system when facing your stuff and your inner, your inner demons, your inner, what I call plagiarized programming of all the beliefs that you adopted and borrowed from other people that really don't fit you. It's like a bad outfit. Yeah, like, exactly. Not really your style for your sovereignty, for like who you are, who your soul is at a sovereign level, but you've adopted them to fit in or to conform. Or and because it seems to because, work and it doesn't yeah. attract negative attention or whatever the thing is, right? Yeah. It works for someone else. And so you adopt these beliefs along the way. And I had, we all have them. And I had a ton of them specifically around my body image, what I was worth, my enoughness. And it was through working through healing myself from my eating disorder that I got to face all of these as such a beautiful opportunity for evolution. And then through serving people, I served from an authentic space. Yeah, And I took those principles and brought it into every other business I built. I love that. I want to kind of put a pin in this and I want to back up to the eating disorder because we yeah. kind of skated over this a few times and that can be a real bugger. It is in some ways a form of addiction, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's kind of an addiction to control in oh, yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about how that showed up in your world. When did it show up? What forms did it take? And eventually, how did you go, oh, this has got to change? Yeah. So I was um, I was a dancer as a kid, and I loved dance. And there were just these little moments. So I, I wanted to be the prima ballerina. I wanted to be the, the actress, the female Clint Eastwood, like the superstar, yeah. Leo Rising. So yeah, of course, look <laughs> at me. <laughs> and so it was in that space that I started to get feedback as I was an early developer and then mm -hmm. combined that with having experienced childhood sexual abuse. Like suddenly I was in a different body and I was feeling awkward in it. And I was, I developed early and I looked very, I, I've, I've always said I've been 30 I've been in my 30s since I was six, since I was 12. Like, that, yeah, exactly. I've always been. And you get all of that attention. And you get attention. Yeah. And there were things I couldn't control. I couldn't control my body. I couldn't control the environment that I was living in at home. So I found that. I was searching for a way to, like you said, control. And it was when I was 11 that I, like, I had always kind of experimented with dieting because my, um, my dad, anytime he would go off and try to and go into a, uh, period of sobriety, he would fast because he was very religious. 
Mm-hmm. So he would do like 40 days fast to model Jesus. Wow. And that's, that's intense. Very, like he was, he was, he like, he didn't do me like, mid-range. he didn't do middle ground, obviously. Yes. <laughs> was, was a, was a norm. And it was from that space that I, I started to say, Oh, maybe I'll do a fast. Or my mom was all my, I sat in the process of like healing, I also had to recognize the role my mother played as well. And she never, I, I still to this day, I'm like, mom, say something positive about yourself. Like say something, yeah. oh, you know, just, I never heard her say something positive. She would always refer to something from the past when she was in her twenties, she had me in her forties. So it, it was always a past version of how she looked. It was never loving herself as she is right now. Right. And so I took these two models and I started to adopt dieting. I started to adopt um, limiting beliefs around my body, around what I, what I was capable of. And right around the time that I was 12, that was when I saw a commercial and it was like vitamins. And I, my mom has always been a very holistic, like vitamin in, infused person. Like she yeah, loves yeah. vitamins. She literally has them spilling out of her cabinets. Yes. All natural, it, whatever. All you natural. And, yeah, yep. I, I, I share that with your mom. I've got this whole wall in my pantry. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I, we, we have the whole pantry drawer full of vitamins, a whole drawer. Like my kids love the vitamins, but this one was a, a little bit of me searching for an external solution for an internal problem. Exactly. And when I, so I took a handful of vitamins and you know, when one just gets caught in your throat and you're like, Oh, oh it just, it's I just that horrible that. feeling. Yeah. And it won't go down and it won't go up. Yeah. Oh. The only thing I found that works is sparkling water. But back when I was 12, I didn't know. And so I ended up vomiting. And suddenly from puking, I felt this form of peace. And it was it was not really what real peace is. It was sedation. Yeah. And the, in that space, I recognized that that was a, a quality that I was searching for. And so mm. that's what spiraled me into 10 years of bulimia. And it was when right. I was about 16 that I came out to my family with this problem. And I said, I do this thing where I kind of throw up my food and I kind of pass it off. And they'd never really mentioned my weird eating habits. My friends at school would, because I would like skip meals or I would skip lunch or I would like would disappear for a time. Um, so it was really my friends that noticed. But when I told my parents, my dad was like, oh yeah, I do that sometimes. It's <laughs> like, not ah! helping. <laughs> oh no, let's normalize it. <laughs> so I, I mean, it was well-intentioned, but my mom was actually really surprised. And it was, I'm very grateful to my mom because when I was 16 years old, after I had told her, I went, uh, finished at the dinner table, which was very rare. And I remember this moment very clearly because we never had dinner as a family together. It was always like dinner in front of the TV, dinner like just right. catches, catch can. And, yeah. yeah. And it was never like sitting down to enjoy a meal together. And that one time that we did, I shared. And then I snuck upstairs to go do my homework. Now I was a very good student. So like I was going to go do my homework, but I had another stop along the way. And yes. as I as I was crossing from my bedroom into the bathroom, I hear these like, bam, bam, bam. And my mom is just like racing up the stairs because the, the sea, when right. my family put on the top floor, it wasn't really well insulated. So you could hear every footstep where anyone yeah. was in the house. And she knew. 
And so she came and she tackled me to the ground like a linebacker as I was bent over. (laughs) You are not doing this. She's like, I am not going to let you kill yourself, Kim. I love you too much. And that was when I realized that my eating disorder was just a slow form of suicide. Oh, ooh, yeah. Yeah. And so I started to seek help and options. Because it is. Yeah. It is. It is. And- that and it also was a space where I realized that somebody deeply cared, and yeah. I needed I needed that, and so I started to search for other options. And I um, I started initially with diet, and I, I went vegan for six years, and that was initially very beneficial for me. And then I went gluten free and vegan. I was like, what the heck do I eat? Oh, but then um, <laughs> yeah, that, that gets really complicated. <laughs> I've, I've been down that road. <laughs> But it did teach me to really listen to my body. And the only thing I craved for those six years was a steak, like Mm -hmm. just a juicy steak. And that was also when I found Pilates. And when I found Pilates, I found a form of exercise that made me feel good. I used to be an exercise-induced asthmatic, couldn't run a mile to save my life. And it was through Pilates that I started to feel and really know the strength of my body. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was also regulating my nervous system because Pilates, like yoga, like Qigong, it... um, it activates your parasympathetic nervous system because it's yeah. very intimately tied with with diaphragmatic breathing. Exactly. I was going to say it's it's a very controlled breathing form and you can use that to get the vagus nerve to just go, ah, integrate. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was in that process that I started to really learn and listen to my body. And then uh, so I did end up going and getting a steak and that was just perfect. <laughs> and learning that my body oh. does need and love okay. red meat. Hey, body. Exactly. Okay, body. We'll we'll give you this. Yeah. It, it took your me- pen. Grab your piece of paper. You are currently escaping. Um, because more often than not, there's an emotional reason that we are using the escape. It's not because we're lazy or whatever other pejorative you want to put on it. There's usually a reason that we have chosen some form of hyper-control or obsessive use of a substance or escape into TV or work or whatever your addiction Mm -hmm. of choice is. Spend a few minutes around where you've been using escape and get curious about what's behind that. And hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. In a Realm is a free monthly holistic health magazine that promotes total health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. We're a much-loved community resource for both alternative and traditional healing. We're in our 24th year of educating our readers about innovative therapies aimed at stress reduction, emotional healing, diet modification, energy healing, body movement therapies like yoga and tai chi, and so much more. Restore your soul, find your balance, and elevate your life with Inner Realm. Find us at innerrealmmagazine.com. Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. 
Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sofia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksofia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with me through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales. I'm still here with the amazing and wonderful Kimberly Spencer. Uh, before the break, I'd asked you to pay a little attention to where you've been escaping in your world. Because um, a lot of times that's a pointer to what our next step is in terms of healing, exploration, and uh, moving farther into our power, quite frankly. So often we look at these places and go, oh, it's another broken place. Um, but actually there are many gifts that come from going into those broken places. So I would encourage you to take a look at that list, get a little curious and step into some of what's going on there because that's where the good stuff is. So speaking of the good stuff, Kimberly, <laughs> uh, you went through this period of bulimia. What gifts did that pull forward for you? What did you discover in in hindsight, having been through that service for one. And, and I, and the other piece was doing the inner self work so that I wasn't seeking external validation because mm. ironically and paradoxically at the same time that I started my healing journey that I shared about being a bulimic, I was also going into pat beauty pageants and oh would, my goodness, that'll just exacerbate it, I would think. <laughs> you would think, but actually it was the opposite. Because what I was searching for was a tribe of people that I could belong with. Because mm. I was always very ambitious, very um, driven with my career. I always wanted to make a big impact and ha I had large philanthropic goals. And pageants was actually where I found my people where I was like, these women are smart and gorgeous and they take care of their bodies and they care and they have a big passion for the world and they want to serve. And I was, I was surprised. And so in the past I'd gone for the, the crown and, and also then I started to go for the community. And then it was when I was 22 years old, I was in the Miss California pageant. And I remember the moment because I had been teaching Pilates for a few years. I'd been fully, like very close to fully recovered, hadn't had any relapses for a while. And it was a bikini section. And in the in past uh, pageants, I did one that had a bathing suit, but it was a one piece because it was a teenage competition. And then two that were scholarship pageants. So there was no fitness. There was fitness, but it was not bathing not suit. bathing and suit competition. This was my first swimsuit two-piece pageant 
thing. And I was so proud of myself. I felt so confident and I had done the inner work. There was no starving myself. There was no uh, punishing myself at the gym. I had taken care of my body and I loved her. And I was so proud of how I looked that as soon as I walked out on on that stage in front of 4,000 people screaming, I looked down at the judges, these faceless shadows, and I no longer needed their validation. Mm. I didn't need them to approve of me. Isn't I that needed- a wonderful moment? Yeah. It was in that moment that I crowned myself. It was in that moment that... I didn't need somebody else to put a crown on my head because I knew that I was standing sovereignly in the in the work that I had done in in and on myself that no one could take away. Yeah. I love that. Now, I have a question for you back to the work in yeah. and on yourself. I know Pilates was kind of a doorway in, and it helped you a lot in terms of regulating your nervous system, which in turn helps in regulating emotions and the like. Uh, But I imagine emotions are still kind of there waiting for you. Yeah, they're (laughs) present for sure. How did you how did you deal with that when those started to poke up? Yeah, there were a couple processes that I didn't know were healing processes, but simultaneously were because everything was kind of going toward this intention of healing. So one was I was a musical theater nerd, have been since I was like 12. And oh, I started, love that. Yes. <laughs> and I started singing lessons when I was 15 years old. And through that, she was at my singing teacher, Rachel Lawrence. She is amazing. She went on to like coach all of the cast of Glee and she's she's just phenomenal. And she was my coach and I, she was the first person that I shared that I was struggling with bulimia with. And I felt so open because I started to find my voice. Yes. I didn't, I didn't realize that singing other, singing my emotions of all the things I was feeling, I could safely do in the construct of a song that was someone yep. else's story because it was a mirror. And then I also got into, um, I dropped out of college two weeks before I was supposed to start to go into this (laughs) acting school that uh, James called Playhouse West with uh, the teacher, Robert Carnegie. And Mm. James Franco went there, Sean Aston went there. And I was like, I I saw that school. I've got to go. (laughs) I said, I, I, I felt it. And I saw these people on stage and I said, they're not acting. They're living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Exactly. I saw emotion. I saw I saw realness. And I was like, I had been running from emotion and I'd been taught to hide it and not not be too big and not be too small, but like and not to and to bury my head and be logical. Like yeah, and and, and don't different. do anything confronting to anybody else. Yes, yes. Yes. Don't be confronting. Sheesh. Yeah. That Enneagram eight right here. So like yeah. that's a that's a I, I was the one who would call out my father on his behavior, and that I recognize is not the best thing for a five-year-old to do. Um, <laughs> but that was that was my style, and I started to see that all of these layers that I'd shrouded of my emotional capacity, I got to experience and express on stage through different roles, and that allowed for healing. 
Um, yes. And I got, I remember this one scene that I got to do from a play called Some Girls. And it was one that's not actually in the show, in the play, but it was a show where she shares about, um, she confronts the person who molested her. And mm. I had never- That's had, exactly what you needed. <laughs> right? I got to have that moment in the in the safety of a scene. And then I also got to have that moment with my father. And I also got to have that forgiveness and that healing. And I mean, I now am at the place so far that there's nothing to forgive because I know that what happened to me happened for me. And it's now allowed me to literally save a life because I'm able to share that story. I yeah. literally was able to have, it gave me a skill set that is incomparable to anything else that I, from any other certification, and I have 13 certifications of, of different coaching modalities, but that one experience allowed me to see uh, something deep inside of humans that has propelled me forward as a coach to be able to understand and see trauma and pull it out and share that in, and bring it to the light. Because shame loves secrets and it lo and loves to hide in darkness. Oh, and yeah. when we can bring it to the light and we're able to share it, it, it strips it of its power. Yes, and it does. And it's never as big and ugly as we thought it was when it was hiding in the dark. It never is. It never is. And it takes it takes courage to come forward and to to share that and to really look at it, which is why I love that you encouraged my one of my favorite words, your listeners, to look at what they're avoiding, look at what they're escaping. And look at those challenging conversations because it was through using my voice and singing, feeling my emotions, actually being able to feel them instead of suppressing yeah. them and then having them explode, which is what bulimia is. Yes. Um, and then uh, lastly, the third piece aside from Pilates was cranial sacral therapy. I, I was, I was mm -hmm. working actively with a cranial sacral therapist who was helping to relieve and remove the trauma from my tissue. And exactly. that allowed for a lot of expansion and healing in that as yeah, well. Yeah, cranial sacral and rolfing are both really good for, for getting that trap stuff out of your physicality. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it sticks in your nervous system and yes, your body is run by your subconscious mind. And so your subconscious mind, if, and I like to equate it to like cranial sacral therapy, it, it's, if you ever meet somebody who has experienced sexual abuse and one in four, I think one in three women and one in four men have, mm -hmm. um, to a degree, um, if you touch them in a certain way, sometimes they may jolt or they may yes. like, they may repel. And what it, cranial sacral therapy it removes it from the tissue and it allows you to actually have that healing. And it's, it's so powerful. It takes away that physical trigger in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. So how do you, how does this show up for you when you're working with clients? I know there is a, a lot of complexity behind the pay gap that occurs between men and women. And I know a lot of it sits in our subconscious mind lessons that we've learned that hold women back yeah. <laughs> that have nothing to do with the glass ceiling that's out there. And I'm not negating that there are still glass ceilings in place, but 98% of it, I think really sits in our heads. I agree. I agree. I think that women um, I just recently wrote a post that I said, a queen has a confidence of a middle-aged white man. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it, I, I am friends. I have mentors who are amazing men 
And I see the insecurities that women have, and typically they don't manifest the same. Like no, they manifest of, very differently. They manifest very differently. And I, I've seen men go into sales, and they just go right in. They just attack the. They go into sales. They don't have to do the money mindset work of like yeah. They just go straight to the bottom. They're just yeah. like let's get the sale done. Let's close it. Versus a lot of women are like let me do the the healing and the. Let me do all the money mindset work. And can I ask for all this? Can I ask for that and, much? Yeah. Is is it is my products and services really worth it? And I'm, that's not to say that some men may or may not experience that because I have seen men who have. Yeah, well, it's always more a bell often, curve. Yeah, however, more often, though, <laughs> women do, and I think that it's one of the things that I, I use timeline therapy and hypnosis with my clients. Oh, um, I love that hypnosis is my favorite way to go talk yes. to the subconscious. Yes, <laughs> just like let's let's have a chat because with hypnosis and timeline therapy, which is a combination between NLP and hypnosis, you don't actually have to understand. You don't have to go into all the details of right. uh, like what with talk therapy. You're not trying to dig into the why of like, why did this happen or why? Yeah. And you're here. not trying to relive any of it. Especially yeah. if you're dealing with clients who have had past trauma. Like you don't oh. want to go into yeah, the why. Yeah, we don't want to. No. I don't want to see it. I don't no, want to no. relive it. I don't need that. <laughs> I already lived through it once. Thanks. We're exactly. Good. And probably had to relive through it several times if there was any litigation that went with it. And yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So it's, there, it's understanding the power that our subconscious minds have over how we face things. Yes. And the quickest way is looking at what is the specific belief and when was the decision made to borrow that belief? That's yeah, why I say beliefs are yeah. like clothes. It's like at some point, and it, this can be completely unconscious. It's all about learning and understanding and building an accord and a trust between right. your conscious mind and what you say you want to have and your unconscious mind. That's why I'm so grateful. Yeah. Um, well, and the unconscious mind doesn't have this discernment thing that the conscious mind has. It's yeah. like, oh, well, these two things went together, so they must be related. Yeah, even though there were completely random events that were juxtaposed upon each other, and then you made up this story to keep yourself safe that's now gigging you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's keeping you playing small. Yeah. And so it's looking at that belief, and it could be a generational belief. It could be one that um, uh, is a past life belief. And for mm -hmm. my clients who don't believe in past lives, I say, well, your subconscious mind accepts everything as true and personal to you. So if you've watched a movie where you've seen a woman struggle with money stuff and you accepted those beliefs and that struggle as your own, then it accepts it as true for you. Exactly. So, and it's quote unquote, your past life now. <laughs> and it's their past life now. Um, so, and, and, uh, there was a great woman that I had on my podcast, the Crown Yourself podcast called Dr. Valerie Rain. And she wrote a great book called The Patriarchy Stress Disorder. Yes. 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 Love that yes. book. <laughs> She's amazing. And they've done so many studies on generational trauma in regards to how it's passed down through our DNA. So whether you accept it or not, women as a whole, we have only as Well, and scientifically, they've and proven that it can happen. It's yes. called epigenetics is the big, you know, $15 yep. word. Yes. Yep. Yep. And it's through that, that if we look at the fact that we have only been actually able to make a living, making money in the past 200 years, 
um yeah and that's that's thousands that's being generous that's That's being being generous yeah because 200 years ago there were only a few women who are allowed to do that yeah and then just 40 years ago we only a few women like we weren't even i think it was 40 maybe 50 years ago that we were we had to have a man sign on so that we could have a bank account exactly exactly You know, World War II did some good things for us in terms of allowing women to go do men's jobs. But I mean, even after World War II and the guys came home, it continued to be, well, it's the man's credit Mm -hmm. and the man has control of all the financial stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And until just about the time I was born, which was in the middle of the 60s. (laughs) Yeah. And women are about to become the primary financial like decision makers overarching overall it like so understanding our relationship that we have with money is essential and looking at it from that generational standpoint like a give yourself a little credit for wherever you are at um if you have had the courage to go out there and make it on your own or to ask for that pay raise like all of these are little pieces like we've been we've and I think one of the things is we've had to swing the pendulum in a very masculine direction to get the votes to get to get our rights and things and we're still working on that and the thing is is though that women do business differently that's right and we thrive in business differently differently and so operating we can do a man's job but we don't necessarily do it like a man would And recognizing that difference is also crucial. Women thrive so much more in collaboration, which does mean that collectively as women, we do have to heal our witch wound, which is the the generational wound of ratting each other out because we didn't want to get burned at the stakes for being healers and sovereign entities and, and midwives and women. Or women who just plain thought differently than everybody else. I mean, because that was... That was a hanging offense at one point. Yes. Yeah. And so that ability to reconnect with sisterhood, which is why I'm such a big support of masterminds and of shifting the environment of who you're surrounding yourself with. Because when you can surround yourself, and that's why I love podcasts like yours, Sophia, because you are exposing yourself to new information and your subconscious mind doesn't know that this person, you may don't actually quote unquote know this person directly, but because you're engaging and in relationship with them in some uh, in some way, you're actually actively changing your environment. And as you change your environment, you're changing how how you actually heal. Exactly. Well, and I I it's become a real focus of mine this this patriarchy syndrome, if you will. <laughs> I love that she called it that Um, because we are, there's so much that's indoctrinated, inculcated in us as young women that we should be in competition with each other for the prince that's going to save our lives and some of these other weird stories that we're told growing up. Yeah. and it it really sets us at a disadvantage when we go out into the workforce. And uh, it's become a real passion of mine to to pull that crap out of your brain <laughs> because it doesn't serve you. Yeah, those it just stories. does not. It's it's terrible. We're up on our second break already. 
And so what I'd like to invite you to do with your pen, with your piece of paper, is spend some time around the stories that are holding you back. The I have to be nice. I have to be liked. I have to prove that I'm worth the money before I can ask for anything. Go down that rabbit hole and see how much of that you're holding on to, how much is sitting in your brain, even if you think you've worked through it all. I promise you there's more hiding back there. It's very sneaky. And hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827. And let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you, and go out and live soul first. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales, and I'm back with Kimberly Spencer. And we've been discussing how you free yourself from the witch wound and crown yourself with your own queen energy. And over the break, I'd asked you to look at the stories that might maybe be holding you back because there are quite a few and they they're pervasive and they're sneaky as heck. And it, you know, I watched a movie I didn't expect to watch because it was the Barbie movie. I'm not really into pop things, but I was like, I'm a little intrigued as to what they did with this. And I was super surprised to see that they took on the patriarchy. <laughs> and there is one scene where the protagonist who is non-Barbie, she's human, is talking about the cognitive dissonance that goes with being a woman and how you're supposed to be trusting and vulnerable and, and 
be in sisterhood and with women who stab you in the back and uh, this, uh, this whole big rant of all the cognitive dissonance that comes with being a woman. Um, and I would highly recommend that you watch the Barbie movie, even though it did not get any awards. And I suspect I know why it did not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. That speech America Ferreira gave, like, I had Uh, chills and was crying. I felt like, and I saw it with one of my very good friends and just tears. It was so spot on as far as the struggle that women have because that that queen energy comes with boundaries but it, it has also, to. It yeah. has to. But it doesn't mean that you have to be rigid. Exactly. Like, it's it's all I think a lot of it is also us healing that masculine energy as well. The the drive, the push, the thing that we've been told that we have to do, that we have had to use. Um yeah. and, that that and, killer instinct, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we don't know what space to play in. So yeah. It's in finding your own security, and sometimes you don't know a boundary until you bump into it, and that's mm-hmm. the hard part. Yeah, and it's like, oh, damn, shit, or until you realize that there wasn't one there and there should have been. Yeah, yeah, that was a big lesson for me last year in my coaching company where I just had some contracts that I was like, oh, why am I feeling burnt out? And burnt out can be a sign that there's a boundary issue. If you're feeling exactly. burnt out at there's your job. There's some kind of an energy drain happening. Here. Yeah, that there's yeah. Some, some sort of leakage. And that's where you have the opportunity to plug that up and close it up and understand and recognize where the boundary was breached, where you allowed yourself to have that boundary breach so that it doesn't happen again and you can be much more clear and forthright I think the beautiful thing is, is when you can be really honest and vulnerable about what it is that you want, have the courage to ask for what it is that you want. That's a huge thing I see with women mm-hmm. is we're so, cause I, I saw this great post um, and it was shared by one of my friends who's a multi eight figure business owner. She's amazing. Patty farmer. And she, she posted a quote by Seth Godin that was, was basically like, um, you know, sometimes that ask is actually like, how can I support you? How can I give? And I was like, I love that a man is saying this. I also don't think that that's always the best thing for a woman to share because we are naturally more service oriented and it can verge into people pleasing and negating our our, our actual wants and the things that we actually want to pursue and the things that we actually want to create at the expense of serving someone else and being generous for somebody else's dream. Yeah. Well, and this is another one where you need to kind of look at the gender of the person who's saying the thing, right? Because for a guy to lead with, I'd like to serve is very unusual. It's a shift for them out of their normal mode. It's a step more towards the middle. Whereas for a woman, it's a step back into the roles that we were raised with. Yeah. And like, I love, I love the fact that in my communication Queens company, which is our podcast guesting agency, one of our core values is generosity. And we do lead with generosity. And 
we also have very clear boundaries as to where that generosity ends. Exactly. So I'm not I, giving you the farm. <laughs> exactly. It's like here's you bought you bought the milk. Here's the milk. It ain't for free. Um, you can have a taste. Here's a sample. Here's a tester. But we're not giving you the whole the whole farm. And yeah. I think that that's an awareness of for women to really learn and understand and claim that queen energy and power. It does come with looking at what is it that you actually want and yes. who, not how, because so many people, just men and women get tripped up on the how. Yeah, like, absolutely. how do I achieve it? Look at who could help you achieve it. Right. Who is that person that you actually need to ask for support? And I don't necessarily mean hire another coach. Uh, oh, see please, oh. Jesus. <laughs> Don't get me started on coaches and courses. I, right. And I, three, three years ago, three years ago, I, I swore to myself, there is no more gratuitous learning. There is no lo- more random business advice. If yes. I hire you, it is to put rubber on the freaking pavement. Yes. Yes, a thousand and fifty percent. And I say this as a coach and as a course creator. Like a lot of times when women hire a coach, they're doing it as a deflection of their own internal power because they are not listening to their intuition or they're scared to listen to what their intuition is actually saying. And they need somebody to extract it and tell them what to do, which is fine. It can work for a while. And The key is also to like, I don't want my clients to depend on me. Yes, you need to go past the training wheels. Yes, I am a huge fan of transcend, transform, learn how to sustain yourself at another level. And then we circle back later on when you're ready to grow to that next level again. But the codependent coaching model that I think is highly perpetuated in, in our industry. Yeah, is, is just just join my my membership, join my personal coaching, and yes. renew, 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 renew. Yeah. Yes, and it's like if it's serving you, yes. But I just ha- had a conversation with a, a a friend of mine who is a a man and hasn't yet launched his coaching program, hasn't yet la- launched his courses, been working with a coach for two years on mindset, and I was like. So your coach hasn't said, like, put rubber to the pavement and actually take action? Yeah, go do some (laughs) shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Actually, I'm working with a coach now, Um, a buddy of mine, actually. We decided to exchange some services. And uh, we we had to come to Jesus at the beginning of the year. He's like, I know you had a bunch of shit that happened last year. The shit's in the rearview mirror. It's time to either shit or get off the pot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, that, that was the conversation that needed to happen in that moment. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's where good coaches really come into play is when they can see that and call that out. And when I see a lot of women deflect their power and pay to solve a problem rather than the space of understanding their own personal power and agency and seeing how to maybe get a little more scrappy. And yeah. and be able to solve a problem in a different way, or look at the problem from multiple different angles. I think that's the power of a great coach. Is a great coach is a uh, will give you perspective and yeah. insight rather than oh, let me take your money and coach you until until you die. Like I don't, yeah, <laughs> I just don't abide <laughs> that by that model. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. 
So we were talking about the witch wound and how that shows up. It's something that we need to heal. How has the witch wound shown up in your journey? Because not all of women are on the path of what I want to say, recognizing that we are a sisterhood and supporting each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely shown up and reared its head in different eight industries and um, along the way. And I'm very comfortable being in a room of all men. I, When I was in Hollywood, that was usually the case. When I had my, e- my e-commerce business, that was the case. Um, I'm very comfortable with that. So I had to learn how to be a friend. And I'm very grateful to my business bestie, Amanda Kaufman, founder of the Coaches Plaza, how she and I, like when we decided to be growth friends, we committed that we were going to, you know, have it on the schedule and we just share and we share what we're struggling with. We are open and trusting with each other and we keep a level of confidentiality. We sometimes do a little coaching with each other if we're in the need (laughs) of space because we both are coaches and it comes out, but we have that permission with each other. And I think that it, it's in cult, understanding and cultivating friendships. I was a host emceeing a conference for 250 women um, in my hometown. And it was from that conference that the number one fear that all of these women had was actually that they feared it's hard to make friends later on in life. And I have mm. found friendships to be so life-renewing when they are held with proper boundaries with yes. love and understanding, and with a, also a mutual respect for the boundary of where your service, especially as service-based entrepreneurs, where your friendship is and where your services start. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, you end up in situations where you start resenting the other person or feeling drained, yeah. burned out, overwhelmed, that sort of thing. And that those are all signs that something needs to be addressed in this relationship and sooner rather than later (laughs) and sooner rather than later. And it always takes courage, but it comes back to having those courageous conversations in every area of your life because a queen takes courage every day. It's that, that is how to rule and also courage is a vibration. And when you start vibrating on a level of courage, that will tip you better. That will tip you faster into the scales of love, acceptance, peace. Okay. We've got one minute. I know you brought a gift for the guests. 60 seconds. Go. I did. <laughs> so I would love to give my your guests our, my Heal Your Money Beliefs Masterclass and Workbook. It's game changer. Uh, changed my money mindset. It, it worked for me. It's worked for hundreds of my students. So I would love to give your, your guests that. All right. Very good. And where can we find that? Besides below in the show notes. <laughs> yes, below in the show notes, you can find that at crownyourself.com. Very good. Thank you so much for joining me here today, Kimberly. I really appreciate you coming and sharing your wisdom, your confidence, and your healing journey because I know traumas that are extreme tend to be challenging to overcome. And it's always encouraging to see someone who has moved so far through that. Thank you so much, Sophia. It has been my honor to be with you on Sovereign Self. Oh, thank you. And thank you to everyone who dialed in today. I do this show for you. I love hearing from my listeners. Drop me a quick line at askzofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A at transformationspace.co. And um, 
Next week, we will be looking at how we overcome neediness, which is an interesting one. So make sure you tune in next week. And until then, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here.